Hello and welcome back to the Hulkcast. I'm really excited today, really happy. It's me, James Rushton, and Aston Villa. A very happy Aston Villa fan for once, you know. It's been a really good 2018. I'm joined again by Danny Raza. How are you getting on? How are you getting on? Hello there. I'm all right. I'm not too bad. I'm doing well. I'm uh, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, this 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 resurgence of this run of form. We 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 came back from that little niggle, didn't we? That uh, of that draw and that loss, and seems like uh, Aston Villa are, are flying high again. So yeah, I'm doing really well, mate. I'm doing really well. Yeah, I mean, we went to our away game, didn't we, at Fulham, and that was gutting to lose two nil. Uh, you get beat by good teams. They were really good on the day like we were in a certain match we'll talk about, but they were really good on the day and they deserved the win. Can't argue with that. We played Sunderland midweek. We'll get to that first. Uh, we beat them 3-0. Poor old Sunderland, eh? Do you know, I forgot that even happened, but what did I say? I'm I'm, I'm not going to beat my own drum. I said we'd thrash them. You, you predicted 3-0? I said, I said it would be 3-0. Fair yeah, and it was on the basis that I don't think, I didn't think that Sunderland would fight at all. And when that happens, you know, you, you tend to see a team kind of tear out. And, um, you know, if they did, have a go. It was going to go one of two ways, wasn't it? You know, maybe we would have still got our goals, but either Sunderland were going to fight back and maybe grab a couple goals back or we'd have thrashed them even further. But no, it was 3-0, wasn't it? Because they did give up, didn't they? And they, 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 it's just it's just the kind of team they, they are. You know, I think they, they created a few goal-scoring opportunities from counter-attacks, but in general, you know, whenever they were through one goal, whenever they did have any chances, they were really, really poor at finishing. And uh, in general, they, they committed a lot of defensive errors. Uh, so, I mean, it was just, it was, pretty straightforward from us yeah that goal that first goal from Lewis Graben really ghost the ball ghosted past everyone that should have been cleared should have been caught by goalkeeper Jason Steele as we, as we mentioned Sunderland have really bad goalkeeping issues at the moment they've switched five times they've benched their main keeper five times this season I don't think we even managed that we've grabbed between Brad Guzan and Mark Bunn in our worst year so Jason Steele should have come out and claimed the ball. It floats over from, a, I think it was Albert Adoma cross. Um, he's getting quite known for his uh, balls in now, which is, uh, I appreciate that. You know, it's not just Snoddy. Yeah. Him in. It's Albert Adoma as well. Seems to have a decent left peg on him as well. Uh, I mean, quite a few times I noticed, you know, in the last couple of games, in fact, Sunderland and Wolves, that he's taking the ball straight on and whipping it in on his with his left foot, obviously, which is his weaker foot, but they're still looking dangerous. He just seems to have a knack for knowing you know, knowing where to deliver a good ball. It's really, his, his crossing technique is really weird. It's almost like he kicks the ball from under him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to explain it. It looks like he's done it at the last second and it, he kind of kicks across him really flatly. But it works perfectly. I really appreciate, you know, the, the deliverance. He's putting his delivering ability. Really appreciate that. And he has come out of nowhere to be one of Villa's key players on that left flank this year. And I think Albert Adoma is running the show. Villa free, Sunderland nil. James Chester, of course, grabbed the second goal. Beautiful, beautiful dispatch goal. And uh, his celebration, mate, starfishing, standing up, hands out, really pleased with himself. I think he is, I don't, the words, the love I have for James Chester is, I, I can't what? explain it. <laughs> it I've, I've no words. I love, genuinely, have a strong love for James Chester. Yeah, and you know what? You need it because the thing is, whilst he's almost John Terry's deputy, you know, he's still he's still one of the leading figures. What we've had for a number of years is we've had centre-backs where we've always kind of looked at and thought, right, they're pretty decent. They're not the finished product. And uh, then, you know, that at some point their leadership is going to kick in. We saw that with guys like Kieran Clark, like Nathan Baker, who maybe weren't always our our top 
defenders, so to speak. But now what we have got is two leaders over there. Whilst John Terry is obviously running things at the moment as captain, James Chester looks like he's going to be around for years to come. And he's the, he is the finished product. And he, so he should be by his age anyway. Um, but you, you can just expect him, you know, if we do go up into the Premier League to be very, very reliable. And Steve Bruce knows him. Uh, Steve Bruce uh, knows him uh, knows him well enough from you know his, his years at, uh, at Hull City to to know that he's he's going to do a good job uh, and, it, and it's good to see that. Let's not forget as well that like James Chester he's a, he's a West Brom reject. Tony Pulis had no time or no reason to play. Totally forgot that even happened. I totally forgot that even happened. I'm not gonna... Why do you let a player of that quality go? <sighs> um, he's equal. He, he, Johnny Evans might be better. There's no bones about it. Johnny Evans might be better. You know, he's uh, he doesn't doesn't like to hoof it out, James Chester. You know, he's uh, he's 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 quite tidy. Pulis defenders are, are brick houses, aren't they? So yeah, and he, I don't I don't understand why. How is there no room for him in that West Brom team? How you can't? No one can explain that to me. It's a good idea selling him to your. You know, you're so he loves to. Pulis used to love speaking about the Villa. You know, your illustrious neighbours selling him to Villa for eight million. That's a snip. Was it McCauley and Evans they were playing? Is that what it was? Yeah, and Macaulay's great. Don't get me wrong, Macaulay's great, but James Chester is there. Yeah, but then also you've got Johnny Evans, who who, who he will have signed from Man United, and he'll be thinking, oh, I'll have to play him. I mean, I, well, three at the back isn't a bad situation for him, is it? Macaulay, Evans, Chester sounds like a pretty decent. Yeah, don't trio. get Steve Bruce too excited. Uh, I mean, three at the back, three at the back <laughs> works on, works for some teams. So if you're a team like West Brom and you're soaking up pressure, it just wouldn't work. We'll get back to Sunderland, man. Three 0 The last goal, Conor Hurhan, you know, really decent run. Unlucky not to get the goal, but the goal own the goal only happens if it bounces in off Jason Steele. O- own goal, you have to give it an own goal. Take that three 0 win. I was pretty nervous, man. To be honest, um, it, it was the perfect banana skin, but and I think Villa really dealt with that professionally. But Sunderland really didn't make a case for himself. No, this is it. This is it. There, there was no moment in that game where I thought, okay, Sunderland are gonna are gonna grab one back. I mean, I can't even remember the team they played. Uh, I got, I got, I think if there was any sort of danger, man, anybody who had any chances on goal. Cause I know they did have have decent chances. Um, you know, there, there were barely any. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, who was who was playing up for him, James? Try and remind me. Oh, it was it was, it was Fletcher, wasn't it? So it was someone. Uh, they've got a, a, a Soro, the, the young lad coming through, and um, he really did. I, I've probably screwed up his name. I'm really it sorry. It was a Soro. Um, it was but, a Soro. Yeah, decent pace, real, real danger. Um, big things from him. That's it. That is it. And uh, I, I think Chris Carman really has his work cut out. And I appeared on the Roker Report, Roker Rapport podcast. Um, of course, give them a follow. A really, really good insight to Sunderland, and I think following it along as a neutral to follow Sunderland's been really interesting. It's almost like looking at a black mirror of Aston Villa. <laughs> it's that's what could have happened. You know, Sunderland have a huge stadium. They've got a fifty thousand seat stadium. They've got a really passionate fan base. They may not have won the same stuff as Aston Villa. May not be as illustrious as Aston Villa, but it's a huge stadium. They're heading into League One. Terrible American ownership. It's bad. <laughs> no bones about it. It's bad. It's what we could have been without the right hands guiding us. I don't think Lerner would have been bad as Ellis Short. Lerner cared about Villa. Ellis Short does not care about Sunderland. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, by the way, I don't mean this is like a like and like player comparison. It's almost like they've got a team of 11 Jolie and Lescott's in that they're all players that theoretically should have come to the club and done well, but for some reason or another, just just haven't. Um, they, they took a couple of Everton, Everton rejects on, you know, haven't done the job either. You know, guys like Oviedo uh, playing at left wing back. Uh, and I, it's just it's it's just a case of, I don't think 
Chris Coleman was was the right guy to come in at Sunderland. Um, uh, I don't think anyone. Yeah, was. I suppose not. That's not one. Person. I suppose not. I suppose not. But you almost needed. Uh, I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess, I, I guess where you're coming from is is that there's nobody really who could have done the job. I suppose if there was any club that Pulis should have gone to, it should have been Sunderland. I feel like he would have been a better suit, a better suit for them than a. Uh, than Middlesbrough, um, but yeah, it's 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 one of those ones, isn't it? Coleman comes into a team where he's supposed to be motivating a load of players into performing ahead of their ability. Unfortunately, what you've got is a team of players who want to perform below their ability, and that's the way it's going to continue. Um, and yeah, we as the bigger team, we as the better team, just turned up and we we run the show. I, I, but you know, my heart does bleed for Sunderland a bit. It's uh, it's a bit of a shame down there, well up there, um, but we beat them. We have to take the points. We have to look at it professionally and. Come, come up, May. Um, hope they find the correct donors because it could have been us. So I do have that little bit of sympathy. I know there'll be certain people out there who don't care. But I think it, I think it's a shame that there's people who want to love their club, want to support their club, and the apathy is there and it bleeds through to the players. No one cares. It's done. It's dusted. And who knows when they'll come back. That being said, mate, we need to concentrate on Villa matters and we move on to probably one of the best Villa games I've ever witnessed, mate. Uh, do you <laughs> want to take the lead with Villa? Aston Villa 4, Wolves 1. Right, so we played against Wolverhampton Wanderers who are top of the league and soaring right Wolves obviously going came coming from uh, a little blip in form but then beating Leeds United 3-0 uh we coming off a game where we've just beaten Sunderland 3-0 it's a clash of two really informed sides at the top of the table essentially uh Wolverhampton Wanderers last time we played them let's be absolutely real over here uh, before this game they absolutely outplayed us they made us look silly we were humbled, right? Our midfield did not turn up. They, Conor Hurahan did not know where he was throughout the game. Um, our strikers uh, weren't finishing. Uh, and as far as I can remember, yeah, we got, we got walked off the pitch. Now, theoretically, this game should have been so, so tight considering what happened last time around uh, and considering the amount of talent in, the, talent in that Wolverhampton Wanderers side. For some reason or another, we turned up and they did not. In fact, let me let me let me go one better over here. We turned up, they turned up too, but we just seemed to be the better side all throughout that. And I guess you know this is the way that things should be. Um, considering Wolverhampton Wanderers aren't you know uh, aren't long since uh, coming up from from League One, uh, and uh, you know we 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 we, sh- we did the professional job with the uh, with, with the players that we had, and uh, basically we showed that we're just as capable of going up to the Premier League than they are. And now, Wolverhampton Wanderers are in a little bit of danger of losing the title, either to us, unlikely, or Cardiff. That's very likely as well. You think it's likely? They've only got to make... Uh, Cardiff have to make up... It's four points behind, so you've got to make up two games, basically, on Wolverhampton. They play Wolves as well. Mm-hmm. So, it's doable. The trouble is, Cardiff play Wolves and Villa within a week of time. They've got Wolves midweek and Villa on a Saturday. It can be done. I've spoken. I, I work in the Black Country. I have a, a bunch of Wolves fans who sit next to me. Have been goading me all week. They are ready to almost ready to concede the title to Cardiff. Let me ask you something. What What do you think is the most favourable result for us there? Draw. <laughs> Keep them both. You reckon at a point? Yeah. Don't give anyone either of them an extension. Give them both a point. We get the win on the same day. Then we beat Cardiff. That's six points gained, or well, five points gained. Yeah, that's and the ideal, isn't it? That's re- yeah, that is real. You know, 
maybe one of them kicks the crap out of each other. That That's fine as well. Don't get me wrong. We just take advantage of the situation. Ideally, we don't want a Cardiff win. However, a Cardiff win just condenses that table, makes it a lot more difficult for everyone. I'm fine with the pressure being on because we have simply shown that under pressure, we've a Wolves team playing pretty decently against us. They didn't play terribly. A lot of people say they played bad. They they were there. They were they, they were dangerous. They were they were poor. Yeah, they were they were they were top six. They were top six quality. Yeah, a lot of people saying they played bad, and I don't I didn't see that at all. Yeah, they didn't play to their usual standards, and yeah, they, they weren't top, you know champions standards. But they played. You no, know, I feel like it discounts Villa's victory if we say they played bad. They didn't. They played. They, they played. were. They were good. They played the same way they usually do. You know, Doherty and Douglas were, were spraying their long passes across the pitch like they usually do. And Daye was was putting in challenges as usual. Now, Bonatini, Cavallero and Bonnet, uh, and, and, and Hotter. I mean, Hotter, Hotter turned up. He scored a goal, you know, as soon as Adoma scored, essentially. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't too long after. And in the first half, we were very, very similarly. I mean, yeah, we, we, we were very similarly matched. We, we were both playing very well going into, uh, going into that second half. And it was anybody's game. But Wolverhampton Wanderers just seemed to lack that little bit of bottle in the second half. Our defenders kept their focus. Chester and Terry kept Bonatini in his back pocket. Cavallero just didn't seem to be able to get through. Jedinak dropped back uh, so much during that game. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's fair to say to Wolverhampton Wanderers fans, they should be very, very unhappy with the way that Connor Cody, Danny Bat, and Willie Bolly performed in that second half because they were terrible. Danny Bat especially, I expected a lot more from him. Really did, mate. Uh, Wolves lad. Uh, re- no, decent central defender, and he was terrible. He was awful. Responsible for at least two of our goals on that day, especially when Adoma cuts across him and crosses to grab him. Should- I know he's on a yellow card, but put it on the line for your team. You have to. That's that's the difference between you winning a title and you dropping to third. And they lack that hunger as well. And, and do you know how I know that? Do you know what the most despicable thing from that team was in the second half? Go on. Berkey Abjarnason for all he's good for, right? He is a decent dribbler of the ball. He knows how to move around with that ball. Fair play to him. He should not have been able to walk through Danny Bath and Connor Cody the way that he did in that second half. And that was absolutely woeful, woeful defending. In fact, it wasn't Danny Bath, actually, if I remember correctly. It was um, it was Doherty because I, I know they did go 4-4-2. But the point is that the defenders should not have, been, should not have just let him walk through like that because I don't care if you're losing 3-1 I don't care if there's no hope of you rescuing that game when you're top of the title uh, when you're top of the table and you want to be champions and you want to get promoted right that is not the sort of bottle that you show and that is not the way that you treat a match I don't care how much you are losing uh that that hunger was not there if I'm a Wolves fan to be completely honest I, I am disgraced by that re- that performance that is not good they played really well but they were just too too open and they seem to lack the f- no Villa wanted it you could tell Villa simply won the game not because they were perhaps better but because they seem to want it more and I hate saying that because it's like the Tim Sherwood school of managing that you simply want it more and you win a game Villa are up for everything chasing down those second balls winning those extra headers getting that extra passing keeping the possession they really wanted it and it showed Berkey Bjarnason you know three one up he had no reason to charge at him he's slow you know he's not the, he's not the fastest player yet he danced past them he absolutely dance past him, toe poke into the corner. I have no doubt Steve Bruce brought him on to to protect Neil Taylor a bit. I have, I have no doubt that's what it was. You know, if Wolves went four four two. He probably got told you know to go ahead and match them up. But uh, you know, it's just not the way that our that our lads seem to perform, is it? I mean, even Henry Lansbury to a point came on, and I know he didn't do much. 
Yeah, I think he did get the assist for Bjarnes. And if you want to call that an assist, I mean, it would be, it's a bit of a reach, but, you know, fair, <laughs> fair enough. But he, did I, him. <laughs> he, he still came on and, and ran his little heart out, didn't he? And yeah. I mean, Lewis Graben was, was hungry throughout that game. I've got no problem with Scott Hogan, by the way, but Graben was a perfect striker to start against Wolverhampton Wanderers. And and he, he you know he, he was all over the place throughout the whole game. I'm I'm really I'm really impressed with uh, <laughs> those men, especially. We'll get into the goals. Actually, we'll talk about the goals. So the Villa's first goal, Snodgrass crosses it in. It's a seven minutes into the game. Snodgrass crosses it in. Yedinak heads it across the box. He, you know, it's beating everyone. And there's Albert Adoma ready to punt it three times against the goalkeeper before it trickles across the line. Pandemonium. I didn't expect it to go in. I didn't expect Villa to take the lead that early. Fantastic. I saw it from a particular angle and I thought it was Graben that got it because a wall I remember was from the angle that I was looking at it behind the goal line. By the way, I wasn't at the game. It's um, It was the replay that I saw because I think I looked away for a second when, when the goal went in. Um, It seemed like him and it, was, it looked almost like Graben and Nekoma were just like kicking at John Ruddy's stomach, you know, just hoping for that uh, hoping for that ball to trickle over the line. It was a real goal mouth, goal mouth scramble, but it's one of those ones, isn't it? You go out there, it's a little bit cold, and uh, the players aren't quite warmed up just yet, and a silly little goal goes in, and, and errors are made. Of course, we weren't the only team. I mean, of course, Wolves weren't the only team to make a, an error early on. But yeah, it was it was good to see that we were we weren't second best in that scramble. Um, yeah, I'm really happy we've taken the lead. I was in shock. Uh, it went in, really happy. And then on the break, we get you know it was predicted. Wolves great on the break. They got us on the break. Neil Taylor, they danced past Neil Taylor, cut into the box. John Terry and James Chester couldn't deal with the ball. Sam Johnson tried to save it with his feet and it falls to that man, Diogo Yota, and he puts it into the net. Scramble, puts it into the net. 1-1. They whirl off. Then we come back. We come back with some real tempo. We really came at them towards that, uh, the end of the, the first half and I was really happy with that. The trouble is we didn't get that goal to uh, close off that first 45 minutes and that's when the worry starts. However, Robert Snodgast wins a free kick. He uh, kicks it in, and James Chester is just there, isn't he? Yeah. Again, that man, perfectly. I think he might be offside. I don't doubt he was. But uh, he gets it. He puts it in. little tap in just to misdirect, the, change the path for the ball. It's all it needed to put it past John Ruddy. Villa take it. Really, really, really impressed with James Chester. And he's, uh, you know, those, those are strikers' instincts, man. Yeah, no, I, I think it was Steve Bruce as well after the game who said that uh, we've basically got goals coming in from all over the pitch, and he's not wrong. He's not wrong. James Chester and John Terry, both good defenders in the air, both very good in the air. Uh, and and whenever a cross comes in, you see both of them competing to get that ball. I mean, I, I think that's fantastic because we, we actually do have some real, real aerial presence. And I'm comparing that to, you know, the, almost a the Lambert side and, um, you know, even the side under Di Matteo, which we thought was 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 very sort of short, um, if you know what I mean. It seems almost harsh, but it, it, it did seem like we didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of height in our team. And, and it's good to see that. And it's a combination of being good in the air and passion, really. And um, I, I was delighted to see that go in in the second half. And to be honest, it was never a point in that game where I was worried that we were going to go down, um, if I'm totally honest with you. It, it just never felt like that. Or maybe that was just the adrenaline. It's probably the adrenaline. We get that third goal, Lewis Graben, and he comes in. Albert Adoma, he's tracking the ball. He's tracking the run of the ball. He's basically not, he's not even ball watching. He's trying to find the correct position. Gets it out of the near post to uh, deal with an Albert Adoma cross and flicks it past the keeper from a really tight angle. He deserved that goal. He was really hustling. That oh, match. it was a great goal as well. It was a great goal. He, 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 he almost like stretched his leg out to reach that ball, didn't he? 
you know, it was a good little cross, obviously, from Adoma, but he, he had to stretch to get it, Lewis Graben. And that is one of those things when you talk about a striker's instinct, when you talk about like a big, powerful striker, you know, that's what you're talking about. And, and, and it's, it's just, it's, it's great to see that from a striker who just wants to keep on scoring goals. Remember, he scored something like 16 goals this season already, but half of that was at a very, very poor Sunderland side. And it's one of those where when you think about it, if he's scoring those goals for Sunderland, you know, how often must he be able to score for us? It's four and four now. It's four and four. And, and yeah, he, he was hungry throughout that whole game. It always looked like he was going to get a goal. And he just keeps on banging him in. And as much as I love Scotty Hogan, Lewis Graben saying, look, mate, I know you said that you were going to be holding down your position, but try me. Fair play. No, uh, they, they've both got their uses. And I think Scott Hogan did come on late on and really did put in the shift. He did, he, he doesn't complain. I'm, I'm I'm really glad they've all got the spirit they have to fight real hard, not just for the for the pay packet, not just for the goal bonuses, but for their place in a team. That you know, it doesn't really. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, does it? Grabben goes on to the next team. Scott Hogan goes on to the next team, but they're here fighting. Exactly. These these two people have careers beyond Aston Villa, but they're here fighting pointlessly. Almost. It sounds stupid to say, but there's no reason for them to fight as hard as they they are right now. Um, you know, they could be benched, they could be sacked off. Scott Hogan's been sacked off a few times. And, you know, there's no reason for him to fight, and they are. And that's really, really good to see. We'll go back to Berke Bjarnason again for that fourth goal. No, how does he do that? How? It's a re- I'm really happy for him. <laughs> it's, it's, an, it's another example of that fight. He's been sacked off multiple times. He's played, the, he's been in the form of his life at a new position for Aston Villa. He's been sacked off for Glenn Whelan and Miller Yedanak. Then he gets put in that left wing again where he can't do it in the championship. He hasn't got the pace. He hasn't got the physicality to do it out left wing in the championship. Yet he does and he proves himself. He runs in from the left wing, cuts across, dances across a few players, toe pokes it across John Ruddy. Got absolutely no reason to go in. Yet he's already celebrating by the time he's kicked it. Here's, incredible. Here's the thing. All right, if I'm if I'm Nuno, I'm looking at, at Bjarnas and substitution. I'm thinking, I don't care. You know, here's the defensive midfielder. You know, I'm 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 watching the likes of Grealish. I don't want Grealish coming through again. I don't want Snodgrass coming through again. I don't want, um, you know, I, I I don't want Scott Hogan running in between our defence. We've got to go ahead and score two goals. I'm speaking in the, obviously I'm speaking in, uh, in Nuno tense over here. So when Bjarnason <laughs> comes on and Wolves have changed formation, I don't think the defenders are expecting it whatsoever. So when he starts skipping past them, right, you're almost expecting him to run run down to the corner flag. You're almost expecting him to take the ball out wide, but he just keeps on going. And what was beautiful about that goal was he's took that shot almost on the foot, which he thought he was going to continue dribbling it with. It almost seemed like a fake shot, didn't it? That was a little fake. You know, when you, when, when you make the defender think that you're going to dribble past them by using your little weaker foot, he barely seemed to touch that ball, did he? Oh, he didn't. It, it, it was like the the slightest, slightest little touch, and it seemed to have a decent bit of power yeah, on it. Fully did. It really did. It was, uh, I'm really, really. I can't. I can't speak about Bjarnason enough, and I think he's a player who might leave Aston Villa in the summer. And I think he's uh, someone you should keep your eye out in the World Cup for Iceland. I really no. He. I want him to stay for the rest of his career. No, I'm not even. I know it sounds incredibly rash to make that decision, but why should any of these players be moved on? At all, mate. You know, we should we should keep we should keep the players that are that are in our side. And the thing the thing with um with with Bjarnason as well is uh, is that 
he, he can almost play in a variety of different positions. If we need a defensive midfielder, if we need a player out wide, we should we should keep him around for that. You know, that's the player that we thought Bakuna was going to be, obviously, and that he wasn't. Um, but I, I think players like Bjarnason are incredibly valuable. You don't get many players who are comfortable along the pitch like that. And also, um, yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a hard player as well. He doesn't like losing uh, and, and he always gives 100%. That, that's what it seems like anyway when he does play. More on Wolves. Before the match, there was a lot of talk about Jorge Mendes, um, the super agent, one of the most influential figures in world football. Rightly so, he's done a lot of work for football. Um, he's helped FIFA and point Gianni Infantino. One of his clients, uh, one of, his clients of course, is Cristiano Ronaldo. I've, you know, <laughs> probably one of the best footballers to have ever existed on this planet. Um, he was, he's been involved with Porto, Valencia, and now Wolverhampton Wanderers. There's a lot of talk about him and his involvement with Wolves. And it could be face value. It could be advice on signings. But Keith Wyness and uh, the Leeds man, I don't know his name, uh, Andrea, um, I'm not even going to pronounce I can't pronounce the R's in Italian. I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> Come on, but go yeah, on. Uh, No, 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 no. I will, <laughs> will not embarrass myself. I will not embarrass myself. I, I, I can do uh, some, some, you know, from my love of Italian football, I can do a little bit, but I, I will not embarrass myself by trying to pronounce something with that, with the lisp I have. no. You're not getting that out of me today. Um, but yeah, the lead CEO uh, wasn't happy. Agrisani. Yep, there we go. Um, he wasn't happy after the game. Um, he confronted the world of Twitter to speak about, hey, I want an even playing field. It's for, that's rich coming from Leeds. I want an uh, even playing field. I want 24 clubs to go out with, with clarity, with clear clearance. And Keith Wyness joined in slightly, uh, liking articles about Chinese ownership structures, which is ironic. Um, liking articles about Jorge Mendes and his uh, past with, uh, you know, when he first came over to uh, help Wolves get set up under Fosun and uh, Jester Fute, the little agency he's got going. He, you know, we, we've both said, uh, you know, was it mind games? Is there something more? But they've complained to the EFL. I think a bunch of other clubs have, including Derby, Villa, Probably every single club under Wolves has uh, probably lodged a, compl- a complaint about how Wolves are doing business. The the alleged story is that despite Wolves paying 15 million for Ruben Neves, despite them getting Yotta on loan and Caviello in their team, that they're not paying the market rate. Say if Aston Villa bought Neves, you'd expect them to be paying him about 40 to 60 grand a week, similar to a Henry Lansbury figure. You'd be paying him a fair bit, a fair wedge. Um, it's alleged that Wolves are play- paying these players 20 grand a week, which is uh, quite small for a player who has just come across from Champions League football at Porto, you know, a league leader in Portuguese football, which it's, it's strange, it's strange. Um, but it's alleged that their wages are being topped up and now this is a killer by third-party ownership. That's just, it's purely alleged. I don't believe it for us. I can't believe a club will be that stupid, but it's happened in the past day. Uh, they, they yeah, I'm that, sure it's not legal, is it? I mean, uh, is is that third party ownership is probably one of it's probably up there with one of the worst things I could have done, and that's that's definite points reduction. Can't if be. that is happening, that if their if their wages are being topped up to the tune of forty grand a week on top of the twenty grand Wolves are paying them, that is it, it, it's in the can. You know, what, that's a serious sanction. You know, I'm not praying that it happens. I don't really care particularly. I'm just, I'm focused on second. But um, I really hope that Wolves haven't done that because it's not just really stupid. It's against the spirit of the game. I know Villa has spent a shitload of money, but at least they've overpaid for players. You know, it's not like trying to sneak under FFP. You get what I mean? They should go ahead and handle that business. If somebody suspects there's something, there's something wrong with it, then obviously lodge that complaint. That's fair enough and get it, and get it uh, investigated, obviously. 
But if I'm to- if I'm being totally honest, when when fans are getting involved and getting worried about what's going on, I mean fans of other teams. Let's be totally let's be totally fair over here. It's all about jealousy. People aren't happy. People aren't happy that Wolves are performing so well. Now Villa fans, to be fair, have been have been good about it because you know from from what I've seen, people are just kind of like getting getting on with it and and obviously getting involved with the rivalry, which which does exist now, like like it or not. Um, but yeah, I think I think a lot of fans are just very very jealous that Wolves have been able to get up there as quick as they as quick as they have. Now the thing is, people will get over it. The same the same thing was an issue with Manchester City when when they first came up, but. Yeah, people will get over it. If Wolves are making enough money to avoid sanctions, then fair enough. You know, that's that's there. That's 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 down to them. We we can't forget that we spent fifteen million pounds on Kajir, ten million pounds on Scott Hogan, or whatever it was. Uh, we're guilty. Fifteen million on McCormack. Fifteen million on McCormack. You know, we we can't we can't sit here and pretend that we didn't dash out our fair share of money as well. So. Um, yeah, these opportunities were available to Aston Villa. You can't tell me Aston Villa could have scattered the globe and found a player of a similar ilk to Ruben Neves. Yeah, exactly. They'd have paid 20 million for him and they'd have paid 60 grand a week for him. But these opportunities are there. You know, <laughs> we've got Ross McCormack instead. We've got Jonathan Kajir instead. Uh, we've got Alma Adomo. We've got Robert Snodgrass. we got Conor Hurahan. We've got Henry Lansbury. We've got Berkey Bjarnason. We've got James Breen instead. That's what we chose to do and we have to deal with our lot. And it's, our lot is working out really well. I mean, Henry Lansbury hasn't played as much as he would and Ross McCormack hasn't really worked out at all at Aston Villa. But we've made our choices. We have to live with them. And we simply, you know, never look at your neighbour to see how much they have or if they've got more than you. Only look to see if they've got enough. You know what I mean? Like Dulwich Hamlet don't have enough. Yeah. That's what situation we should care about. You know what I mean? We don't care about Wolves. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's the same thing that I'd advise anybody individually when talking about their own life. If you want to talk about self-help or whatever, right, you focus on yourself right? And you're going to be more successful that way, right? If you start looking at other people's successes, you start looking at other teams' successes, uh, you're never going to be happy. Because um, as much as you want to look at Wolverhampton Wanderers right now, if you're, when you're Aston Villa or when you're Birmingham City, uh, when you get to that level, yeah, you start looking at Manchester City. And you see, when you get to that Manchester City level, you start talking about the, that Real Madrid level. Why can't we have that many trophies? Why can't we be that great uh, and, and have our faces all over the globe? You know, it's, it's one of those things. You're never going to be happy. Focus on your own journey. Focus on your own team's journey and enjoy the football for what it is. Stop focusing on the Yeah, sides. I completely agree. Now. I think if it's true, Wolves get docked points, whatever. I don't don't care about it. It's not absolutely none of our... Yeah, it's none of our concern. Come what may, I think we've done our own stupid things. We are, for some reason, pushing the breach of FFP. That's on us. Let us focus on that. Let Wolves focus on that. I think that goes out for everyone. You know, we get Leeds fans talking about how much Villa has spent because they're still bitter about being caned twice by the Football League, being big spenders back in the day. Forget it. It's all, it's all good. You know, we, it, we're in the future. We've just got to focus on ourselves, enjoy the football matches we have, enjoy the Villa we have. And the Villa we do have is really enjoyable, mate. More on this team. And we're done with the Wolves match. So happy with that result. Actually, I'm not done with the Wolves match. What do you make of them Jorge Mendes masks? <laughs> um, get it out. Uh, ban everybody who's worn them. Um, I think there's something to be said about the quality of person who wears a mask. <laughs> Agents are despicable. You know, they have a very valid role. But when you've got peaks like Mina Rayola in the game who... Do not care about. Do not care about. No, he has. To, he saves. If you've read uh, Zlatan's biography, you know first name terms with that man. Of course, he saved his career. You know he was getting mugged by Ajax. He was getting mugged by Malmo. He was getting completely ripped off by him. 
you know, a player's getting paid twice as much as their best man, Zlatan. He's coming in and saved the day. Ujicio Donnarumma, he's uh, torn a kid away from the fan base. And now the, the curve of suit in, uh, in San Siro probably want to stab him um, because of what's happened. And that's because of one man, Raiola, who's, who's an agent doesn't need to be that public. It's scared. Questions need to be raised when an agent is that public. Jorge Mendes, of course, is a bit more behind the scenes character. He doesn't, I don't know if he's got a Twitter account. He's not, he doesn't do TV interviews like Raiola. Um, but he's still a massively influential figure in the game. Um, agents taking that much, skimming that much money off the top of football. It's, it, questions need to be asked of it. And if you're wearing a mask of an agent, you're almost at conflict with your own opinion about football. You can't moan about betting in the game. You can't moan about Sky Sports moving your fixtures if you're going to wear a mask of an agent. Nah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's pure hypocrisy. Yeah, let's you know, let's. Let, let, I mean, let's just finish this one off by, by saying basically, if you've if you've if you've worn a mask of of, of Jorge Mendes to the game, in fact, if you're wearing a mask of anyone to the game, you've had a mare. Um, sort it out. Delete your Twitter, and yeah, just I think just ban anybody who ever. Whoever wore the mask. Well, the geezer who's made those masks and printed out uh, a fair few thousand of them. I didn't actually see one before the game uh, in, in town or anywhere. I didn't see one. So uh, that worked out really well. He blocked me on Twitter. Um, he was very, he was, uh, so that's really worked out well for he him. He blocked you on Twitter? Yeah. Um, so he blocked you on Twitter. All week. More on Twitter. I've uh, had it all week from Wolves fans being quite, I don't know, weird. I'm being quite aggressive. You know, reading my match preview of Wolves, uh, but laughing me off when I said Jack Grealish was the best player in the championship, he is. Um, you know, quoting me out, you know, feeding me to the wolves, so to speak, you know, when you quote tweet and go look at this and then suddenly you're fucked. You're absolutely done. You're going to get them all piling in. They did. And I was being not, I thought, don't swear at him. Don't do anything. Just be nice. I got a few following me now from that. Um, but just be nice. That's all you have to do is just be nice. That's my goal. Just be as nice as you can to these fucking poor bastards who don't know anything else but to be like horrible on the internet. Especially not if they're like the Nazis, you know, all that weird shit. But if they're just football fans being <laughs> nothing. Not if they like the Nazis, all that weird shit. <laughs> not if, if they're coming at you pure hate. That's when you hit the block or report to Twitter. If it's football fans being knobheads, you know, you, you simply just be as nice as you can, be as uh, respectful as you can, and just see where they're trying to cut. They're, they're always wrong and stupid, but just be nice to them. And that's what I just don't get into it. Yeah, that's why I said just just be. You know, someone instead of hitting, you know, think about what you're going to tweet. Be nice to them. Send it off. See what happens. They all block me because that's thinking I'm going to. I'm not. I'm not going to come at you. Do you know what? I'm not going to come at you. Do you know what it is, right? People have been talking about this like fierce, like rivalry that's been happening on Twitter between Villa and Wolves fans. I'm barely seeing anything. I've, all I, I only ever hear about it. I never, I never actually see it. I think people get a bit too invested in it sometimes, which is good to be fair in in some respects. But it's almost just sometimes like you know what? It's just it's not that big of a deal. Well, it's just it's just football. Everybody likes football. Everybody's focusing on their own team. Everybody's tweeting about their own team for their own team's followers. And you know, if if you're going to start starting on on other on other teams' fans, then you know, just reassess your life a little bit. And that's pretty much it. It's stupid. It's, you know, if you're going on a Villa blog to go look at this shit, you're giving me views. Basically, <laughs> I don't care about you know, I don't care about clicks. I don't care about content. I don't care about views. But if you you are feeding it, it's like when someone sees a really crappy article on a Birmingham Mail, they retweet it and they're like, look at this, then people click on it. You're serving the goal. 
don't, you know, the best thing to do is ignore it. No. So, uh, don't, if someone says, uh, Jack Grealish is the best player in the championship and you don't agree, don't retweet the article. Don't get thousands to click on it because it's one of our best read articles ever. So, <laughs> no, exactly. There we go. Exactly. Uh, all right, James, we, we were talking about teams which have, you know, messed themselves up financially a little bit. Um, we've got another one. We? Yeah, QPR, mate. Uh, we've spoke. I think I spoke to Phil about QPR, so we don't really need to preview it that much. And we've already put on our score prediction, so we'll leave that one, you know, there. But there is a still bit, you know, we do have to reflect on the context. It's changed. We used, we had QPR before Wolves. Now we have QPR after Wolves. Whole different kettle of fish, mate. It's going to be a bit of a tough match. We've got a, little, a bit of an expectation. We've raised the bar, basically. We have raised the bar, so we need to... Uh, this isn't a match we can go, oh, we can draw this. It's a, it has to be a win. You know, it's, it has to continue being a win. And unfortunately, it's just never going to stop as long as Cardiff keep on winning. Um, at this rate, you know, we're, we're going to... There's, there's nothing more to say, really, other than we have to turn up and take the three points, regardless of who it is. We just need to find a way to do it. Uh, Cardiff have Brentford on Tuesday night. They're away at Brentford. Do I see them slipping up over there? Nope. Uh, I can't see that happening whatsoever, uh, especially with their front three uh, going, uh, going out that Brentford team. So, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna steer away from talking about them. Um, but... Uh, yeah, QPR will be, uh, I'm not sure whether it will be tough or not, but it, it, it's one of those where they do have a couple of decent players and they do have the potential to kind of try and uh, try and hit at you uh, during the game. I mean, they've got uh, a front three generally of Smith, Ease and, and, and Smith, um, which means that our defenders are going to have to stay active throughout it. And I think it's also worth saying that Luke Freeman's had a tremendous season there as well. He's been basically their midfield engine all the way throughout the season. Eight assists and four goals. Uh, no, in fact, let me correct myself. 11 assists and four goals this season uh, has been a very, very strong engine in that midfield. Um, and I suggest that we combat that by playing Berkia Bionis in, in that uh, central midfield role. As long as we play the, the same way that we usually do, don't make too many changes. This should be an easy fixture. After that, mate, we've got uh, Bolton on the weekend. It's uh, a bit of a tough match. We go into this match before the international break, which comes at a really stupid time. Um, we've got, uh, we'll have seven or so games to go after that. Uh, we go to the Macron Stadium. It's going to be a bit tough. Bolton are a team. We we had difficulty earlier in the season. I know Villa are a different beast now, but Bolton are a physical, scrappy team. I think it's a match where Jack Grealish will actually thrive because he does love people trying to press him out the game. And uh, I'm not sure what to expect from it. Uh, Bolton have had a bit, have had, they have had it a bit tough, mate. Uh, their top scorer, Gary Medine, he left them. He moved on. Yeah, he left him in January. Yeah. yeah he's a, one of, he wins aerial battles. He's uh, the best player for headers in the game. 10 goals, five assists. That leaves Bolton with no focal point. Adam LaFondra, Adam Armstrong, Sammy Amiobi are uh, decent. They've uh, popped in for a few goals, but they're not. You can't compare him to uh, Snodgrass and Albert Adoma, who are uh, a goal of each off uh, contributing to 40 of uh, Villa's goals this season. Villa has scored 60 odd goals. 40 of them will have come through uh, Albert Adoma and Snodgrass. If they add an assist or a goal each, that can well, happen. That's the thing. None of their, none of their goals score. None of their strikers actually score goals, do they? Sammy Yamiobi's only scored the four this season. Only scored the four. It's a shame for Bolton because they're a team that has struggled due to off the field issues. You know, they've been in and out of administration, they've bounced around. Um, they couldn't have, they, they'd had a basic, almost mini transfer ban. Undergo, so it, it wasn't really working out for them. They couldn't have signed any players on, on more than a, uh, you know, a six months loan deal. Then that's it. You know, they had to extend them again 
in January. Mm. It's a shame because I think they they are a good team. They're just really, really struggling. There is a good team. Phil Parker is a good manager. They've really got something good there at Bolton. They're gonna survive this year. Yeah, no, I, I, hopefully they will. They're, they're a couple of places above the uh, above the relegation zone, and uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, there are three worse teams off than them. And Wolves, I mean, Bolton have given sides a, a difficult time over the last few games as well. You know, they got a nil nil with Norwich. Uh, they did get beat by Preston, uh, you know. Once again, a decent side. They got a draw with Reading, and they got a draw with with Sheffield Wednesday as well. So they will be they will be difficult to break down. Mark Beavers has been very good in their in their defence this season. Uh, he's he's been one of their top performers. Um, if um, I mean, if you do look at the statistics, I guess. Uh, and uh, I think it's also worth mentioning that Sammy Obiobi will give us um, a difficult time. You know, he, whilst he's he scored the four goals this season, he has been pretty good in terms of um, in terms of helping. Uh, in, in terms of helping uh, Bolton Wanderers, you know, push forward, uh, and it is one of those where, like I said, their defenders are going to be really important. Mark Beavers wins the wins the five or aerial duels every single game, um, and you know he's been man of the match a few times this season as well. Uh, so I think he's uh, he's the one that our strikers are going to have to target. I think it's a Scott Hogan game as well. Um, as much as I love uh, Lewis Graben, you know, after the game on Tuesday night, uh, it might be one of those where you've got to give Scotty a run out. Um, and I think this is the kind of game where you know we want to be we're getting ahead of their defense, knowing that they're going to be making mistakes, and um, should theoretically be fairly simple. Really looking forward to this one. It's going to be a sludgy game, but I really you know you get the points against QPR, they get you get the points against Bolton. You go into that little rest, and you can look at it and you can say, hey, it's a final stretch. We can gun for this title. If uh, if things turn out well, we can gun for it. That should be the aim. If uh, all things turn out well by next Sunday, yeah, yeah, no, totally, you know, totally. you could check. You know, we we've got to make up three games on Wolverhampton within ten. We've got to make up two on Cardiff. They, you know, the pressure's on them. It's not on us. We've we've shown what we can do against Wolves. The pressure's on these guys. You know, right. third. But what what's wrong with third? You know, what's wrong with fourth? The playoffs. It's all playoffs at the end of the day. These two guys have got to really kick on to uh, finish third, first and second respectively. Cardiff are doing their business, fair play to them. Fulham are chasing them. Villa are chasing them. Wolves have uh, shown some cracks and some fragility. The pressure's on them. We don't have to worry about that. Yeah, we're, we're, I think we're all happy with playoffs. You know, at this point, it'd be upsetting if we didn't get automatic. But if you said we'd finish in playoffs definitely at the start of the season, I'd have taken it, especially after drawing against Hull and losing to Reading and Cardiff. I'd have taken that. Yeah, and we'll take some decent momentum into it as well. I know I said at the start of the season, if we make playoffs, then we won't. We won't make it through. Uh, but that was on the basis of you know us us, us winning, us winning games sort of like one nil, two one, just kind of like just getting there, and being a little bit lucky sometimes. I don't think we've been lucky um, over the last few months or so. I think we're we're looking like a really tough side. I think we can take some real momentum into it, and over the course of two games, you'd expect us to make it into a final. I think uh, I think you're right in saying the pressure's not on us. If it comes to it, I'll take our chances in the playoffs. Um, but the pressure's on the, the top two now. We've we've done our we've done the, we've made out the case we've laid the case out for him the ball's in their court. I want your prediction for the Bolton match, mate. Uh, Trevor <laughs> says he's uh, surely listening, and that's Trevor Hood, our executive producer at this point. And of course, he'll uh, tap up Phil for a prediction. You know, Phil yeah. is uh, you know the rotation option, but uh, he'll tap them up. Uh, I want I want your prediction first, mate, for the Bolton game. It's got to be a win. It's not not going to be a win, is it? No, it's a, it's a win. It's a win. Whilst I'm tempted to give Samuel Obi a goal, um, I'm going to say that. Uh, the lucky three worked for me last week and I'm going to go with it again. I'm going to go 3-0 against Bolton. I'm going to go 4-1, mate. Ooh, okay. Three-goal margin. Yeah, yeah. We've both got a three-goal margin. We both went for the win. Um, I think most of my predictions are going to be uh, wins from here on out. I don't see Villa losing a game. 
if they keep that up against Wolves, that's not a team I can stand against this team. Uh, really pleased with them, mate. Um, before we close, I'd like to say thank you to the Villa View for having me on after the Wolves game uh, to slot in uh, for Max Roberts and Dan Bardell, who uh, both couldn't make it due to uh, work commitments. Um, two really good presenters and, of course, the amazing amazing editor of the Villa View, Dan Rollinson. You should go give him a follow, Dan Rollinson, at Dan Rollinson. A uh, really talented guy. I gained 100 followers just because I was on the Villa View and this lad's still under 1,000 and he does so much work and uh, really loves Villa. Always up for after the match recording. Always travelling across the city for Villa. Uh, he's uh, given a voice for fans and he's been doing it since uh, Villa were in the shit, basically. Um, he's not getting money for it. He's not getting inside the club for it. And I think, you know, he's a legend. Yes. Really is. Uh, he's helped uh, Matt Lynch out. He's helped Dan Bardell out. For all intents and purposes, he may as well be Mr. Villa. And I think he deserves all your love and gratitude. 100% agree with you there, man. All three of them, of course, uh, of, you know, everybody who's, who's been involved with the Villa view, I have to give them, I have to give big commitment to them as well because they're, 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 always, they're always willing to lend a hand um, as well. You know, uh, I've, I've, I've spoken to these guys um, you know, quite quite a lot. You know, Lynchy's been on my um, uh, was on my old TV show a couple of times as well. And you know, they're they're always looking to dig in, always looking to get involved. And like you said, you know what? They 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 didn't. They started it up from scratch. They started it up from themselves. They weren't they weren't funded or anything like that. Um, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, and you know, they, they just do it through pure fashion. And uh, big up to them as well for giving you a chance, James. Um, and uh, it's nice to see you your presenting debut went well. Yeah, uh, so uh, I've been on Villa's YouTube. I've been on Villa View. I'm really happy uh, with the Villa View giving me a chance. Uh, they uh, they didn't have a presenter to ask me, and I did it, I guess, to uh, at least a 5 out of 10. Uh, I'd really like to thank them for that. <laughs> and again, Dan Bardell, Max Roberts, Dan Rollinson, uh, you should give them all a follow, uh, especially Matt Lynch as well, who uh, yeah, I think is full-time at BBC Nottingham. Uh, really good Villa people, really, really in it for the right reasons, not looking to just gain support. Uh, followers or rob people's content or steal stuff they're, they're there purely to make make your voice heard um, and I think their podcast is amazing that's with Tom Julian as well filmed down in London and Chris Dolan uh, really really good stuff and I've been really impressed by what they've done because they started at a really crap time for Aston Villa just like myself um, we, we started getting our voice out when we got relegated really 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 happy with them and uh, how they've treated our blog because you know it, it's really easy to just dismiss someone else who's doing Villa stuff as competition and I'm really glad that they've uh, all constantly reached out to us and you know what does that say about their character really impressed with that uh, you know you could you, you get loads of Arsenal blogs at each of us through Arsenal Fan TV it's not like that with Aston Villa we've, we're a real community and I, I love every single one of you basically who's been listening to this podcast and helped it, helped it grow uh, you know, you've got the Villa View to listen to. You've got uh, Mardman says you've got the Lions Raw. You've got loads of podcasts to listen to. Plenty you know, podcasts, plenty of tremendous podcasts out there. Yeah, you've got plenty to listen to, and you've chosen to listen to us as well as those ones. And I, I can't thank you enough. So, uh, really, thank you for that. If you uh, do like this podcast, please like, subscribe, share, all of that. You can follow me on Twitter. That's at Jammer Rushton. That man out there over there is Diaz Yep, working for the Beeb now. And uh, any final thoughts, mate, before we uh, close off? Uh, any final thoughts? No, I mean, I, I just have to say that that victory against Wolverhampton Wanderers made me feel real, real good. Um, and, uh, you know, it was it was a shame I couldn't party with any Villa fans on, on Saturday night. Um, and I just want I, I to, I need to make a quick request that any Villa fans living in Manchester give me a tweet at DHRazza because I need, you know, I, I need to know where you're all at because it was, it was the best win of the season. And I had nobody to talk about it with. I've had to wait until uh, James called me onto the podcast. 
yeah, if you're in uh, Salford, Manchester, anywhere in Lancashire, give this man a shout because he needs to, he can't be uh, celebrating Villa win alone in his flat anymore. You need to you need to get him out there. Um, but yeah, that's it, man. That's it from us. We'll see you next Sunday. Uh, fuck Wolves. Goodbye. <laughs>